You are listening to the Ethereum 2.0 Implementers Call number 1, recorded August 16th, 2018. If you would like to support the show, head over to anchor.fm slash ethereum foundation and donate to either the Bitcoin or Ethereum address listed on the page. Thank you and enjoy. If you ask any of them, I can start. Um, I've been working on the Beacon Chain Nothing Python kind of proof of concept implementation. Um, the past couple of days, I finished the V2 one spec, and at the same time, have been working with Vitalik editing the spec as we found various um, bugs and um, little issues in Shaways and. Um, doing a review on that. There's a couple of minor things that have been added to spec that are not represented in this PR now, um, but the PR is generally up to stuff, and we're going to get that merged probably in the next day or so. Does someone from uh, Prismatic Labs want to give an update? Yeah, sure. I can give an update. Um, we have completely um, deprecated the old sharding management contract within our client code base. So we have implemented a Beaconode gRPC server as a service alongside with gRPC client for the sharding client. And Beaconode, um, so, so the sharding client and the Beaconode are communicated effectively. We have updated our proposal package in um, within the sharding client 
um, to basically uh, to be able to interact with the Bitcoin chain uh, via via the RPC method. Uh, basically, um, the proposal can be shuffled and determine which height that 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 uh, it can propose. And then we also have Bitcoin node uh, simulating blocks and epoch transition. And then the sharding client can listen to them. And then sharding client can use this gRPC method to, to determine uh, when it can become a proposer or when it can become a tester. So then we, after that, we basically verify that the validators can be selected, uh, can be successfully selected to propose uh, for the next slot using this gRPC stream. Uh, we also work on aligning our code base with the 2.1 spec. So we basically updated the block and then the active state and then the and then the crystallized state field. Uh, we're using the latest shuffling and then the cutoff algorithm and then the helper functions. We also open up a, a Discord server, which is a which is a, a bridge with the Gita chat room. So feel free to join us there, and the link is in our GitHub. And then in terms of future work, we plan to work on four choice route maps. <coughs> Great. Sounds like excellent progress. Um, how about someone from Lighthouse? Hey, that'd be me. Um, so we spent, we spent most of the time uh, sort of playing around with the shuffling algorithm. We'll talk about that later. I built like a little sandbox to, to, to sort of mess around with, with different um, uh, shuffling algorithms and see how they compare in speed and, and output. Um, uh, just been kind of building out um, sort of the ancillary stuff like databases and threading models and stuff like that. Um, sort of waiting for the reference implementation to get a lot of the state transition stuff through. Uh, that's, that's most of it from my end. Oh, we can talk about the shuffling stuff later, I imagine. Yeah, let's table the shuffling stuff until after the updates, but um, happy to dig in. Um, great, thanks. Um, how about, um, is anyone from Parity here? I don't think so. Um, how about Harmony? Um, we are working on uh, proposers and processing stuff uh, somewhere in between the middle and the end of the progress. Morning. If things uh, will go uh, as they are going now, then we... It's have, muted, so uh, you guys don't have to be silent. It's fine. I, I, I won't be speaking at all, so it's going to be muted the whole time. Like, uh, yeah. By the end of the next week, uh, we are trying to follow uh, the spec in, in those points that are well defined by the spec and try to keep it simple for those that are not defined. Like, for example, uh, for initial validators committee, uh, we decided to to just uh, use the first uh, registered validator um, as a committee that's eligible to, uh, to, to, to make first bunch of blocks. So that's it for now. Great. Um, ben or someone from Pegasus want to give an update? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll give you the uh, practical update, which is in terms of team building and stuff, we've made good progress. So Olivier joined a couple of weeks ago, he was on this call, I think it was pretty much his first day. Um, he's been uh, working at this uh, VDF workshop with uh, Justin the last few ways. 
Um, and we've got awesome. two more coming on board yeah, in the next month. Rusted, so uh, we'll uh, finally be able to uh, make some substantial I mean, contributions. Uh, I trust. So I'll hand over to Nicola uh, for the research the update. update that's okay. Card and supporting multiple VMs in order to venture. Yes, it is. So we're going to focus the next two weeks uh, on Casper, especially the new version that was published by uh, Vitalik uh, two weeks ago. Our target being able to start uh, the implementation uh, when the team will be there in September. So we would like to get a deep understanding of the new versions uh, for the next two weeks. Uh, that's our plan. And that's it for me. Great, sounds good. Um, how about uh, someone from Nimbus, Adam? That would be me. So, um, in the past uh, two weeks, uh, I worked a bit on the missile serialization to try to add a, a schema to uh, Vitalik's uh, simple serialize and see how hard it would be to to implement that in NIM. So I put uh, everything uh, on the ETH research uh, forum. Uh, basically, a schema with the message is a bit uh, uh, too heavy, I think. Uh, and also, I focused on uh, BLS implementation. Um, I continued using uh, the Milagro library. And um, it's still, uh, we still have some bug. Uh, but uh, I've also put uh, a long forum post with uh, all kinds of uh, tips and uh, things you must be aware of when you implement uh, BLS uh, through Milagro or any other uh, library. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's not ETH 2.0, but uh, more ETH 1.0. Uh, uh, so we had some PR on NIM and Nimbus. And also, we can now sync with the uh, uh, proof of work blockchain, uh, at least uh, the first uh, early blocks. So, progress, but on the ETH 1.0. Can you share that um, blog post with us? I, I can put it in that later. Uh, sorry, the blog post about uh, B about BLS implementation? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yes. Okay. Um, any, any update from Yoazan? Uh, hey, Danny. Uh, yeah, quick update from our side. Um, so, so obviously no sort of charting related progress at the moment. We're mostly working on tooling for developing and deploying uh, smart contracts in um, two stacks, which is Rust and AssemblyScript, primarily Rust. Uh, we're also working on adding uh, support for multiple VMs into Hera, which is our sort of sandwich layer that connects to CPP Ethereum and um, Geth as well. And when that work is done, uh, we can begin working on an execution engine prototype for sharding phase two or whatever phase that is now. Great. Um, and I think I forgot the uh, Lodestar chain state systems. Um, so we've been working on the JavaScript implementation of um, the beacon chain. Um, so right now we're working on implementing the state transition functions. And we've uh, been directed by Mami on, on a pure JS implementation of BLS signatures. 
that you've been looking at, um, we're most likely going to go with that in the near future, even though it's not really one-to-one -one with the Python implementation, but it's a, it's a really good start. Um, within the next two weeks, we're also going to start implementing Gossip Sub in JavaScript um, to start the P2P layer. And we've also started doing our own um, RNG research um, to help along with uh, the research that Vitalik and Justin have been working on and on choosing committee sets and uh, proposers. Great. Um, any updates from uh, <clears throat> research? From the sharding P2P POC side, um, we already had the uh, basic functionalities available. So um, we can let the node join the join and leave and broadcast messages and receive something and synchronize with other nodes. nodes. But uh, the block, uh, sorry, the content validation uh, is not finished yet. So we'll keep working on it. And we also had the Docker image available. And we work on uh, open tracing. To um, We surveyed open tracing and used the app dash as the um, tracer and collector. And uh, we met some problems. So uh, there are some issues about the GX. Uh, of uh, it is uh, it is a package management management tool for IPFS and uh, some issue related to the P2P and we reported it and get it fixed and uh, we also has more documents so we uh, there there is currently there are currently some re a readme file and the document in the PR and will be merged soon. And currently we're um, doing the refactoring and restructuring because the previous code is not so merger. So we'll make it more readable and and yeah and, and understandable. Yeah. And more debugging because there are still some issues. Um, not sure if it is on the, the P2P side, but we will we will find it out. And the to do um, in the next two weeks, we will um, focus more on um, communicate our current code with the Python side. So because um, we want a workable uh, program that can communicate with the Python side. So. Um, so that we can do some experiment in the Python side. And we will also survey more uh, about the deployment tools and testing tools. And that's my update. Yeah. Thanks. Excellent. Um, I'm getting some bunch of typing sounds. If you're not speaking, can you please mute? Um, Actually, so I had carved out PTV research in a different part of the agenda, but I think it makes sense right here. Um, Yannick, do you want to give us an update on your network simulation? Uh, yes, sure. Thank you. Uh, 
first maybe a little bit of background. My goal here is to compare different gossip and discovery protocols and see how they perform um, and if they are suitable for us and also maybe what requirements they have uh, on the nodes in the network uh, regarding latency and throughput, for example, uh, so that eventually we can choose uh, the best one from all the options we have. And to do that, I'm using a framework called uh, Omnet. It's a C++ framework for discrete event simulations. Um, so there's actually no real networking going on. Everything is running on a uh, simulated on a single machine, uh, which of course has the disadvantage that it's a little bit less realistic. Uh, but therefore, uh, but uh, what you get for that is that you can basically scale as much as you like. You can add as many nodes as you like, and you pay for that only by simulation time. And I've done some performance tests. That was the first thing I did. Um, and it's, it seems to be possible to run um, uh, simulations with up to 100,000 nodes, which is very nice, because I think that's um, roughly the size that uh, we're trying, or the, roughly the number of validators we're trying to support. Um, yeah, and I got some first results. Um, first, I looked into Episub, which is um, um, basically, the uh, proposed successor of GossipSub um, proposed by the LibP2P team. Um, it's still only specified. There's no implementation yet. Um, so I implemented in, in my simulation. And what I looked at is uh, the number of nodes, uh, of hops um, it takes for a message to uh, propagate through the network or to reach more than 99% of the network. And unfortunately, uh, the result I got was a bit negative. Um, and the number is quite large. It takes something between 20 and 40 hops uh, to reach, uh, to, through, to propagate through the network for network sizes of 5,000 to 20,000 nodes. Uh, and I think that number is um, yeah, too large to, um, uh, to support uh, the short block times we want to have. And therefore, I just think we should not use this episub, at least not in its current state. In the spec, they mentioned that they um, have some optimizations in mind, uh, but they're not uh, there yet. So uh, when they do, we have to, of course, revisit that. But for now, I think it's not not a good idea. Um, yeah. Do you next know steps. How it's taking? Why it's taking that many hops? Or do you have any uh, theories? Uh, yes, I think that's uh, just the idea behind the protocol that you. Um, I mean, it's not a bad protocol. It's just it makes a, a trade-off which is not suitable for us. And the idea is to basically trade efficiency for um, propagation time. So it takes, uh, while it takes a lot of hops, it takes very few messages. Um, to do oh, that. I see. Okay. There's a lot less, a lot fewer redundant messages being passed around. Yes, exactly. And it was named EpiSub? EpiSub, yeah. It's, it used to be called GossipSub. It had the same name as the old protocol, but okay. now they've renamed it to, uh, to EpiSub. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And, now, uh, after that, I'm right now looking into GossipSub and uh, yeah, try to look at the same metrics and see uh, what I get there. Yep, that's my update. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so I want to introduce Zach from WhiteBlock. Zach, uh, Zach and I have been talking for a number of months. He was actually going to begin to do some um, network simulation work on the uh, FFG contract side of things, and he's been eager to, to help out. Um, I know he's been spending some time getting familiar with the research this week, and I wanted to let him just kind of give an idea of what he's interested in doing um, so that we can we can talk about it a little bit now or maybe um, offline. Um, Y'all can give him a hand. Cool. So, Zach? 
Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, I think it's important to also clarify that uh, um, unlike Yannick's uh, work, uh, we're actually capable of emulating um, uh, network behaviors and activities. Um, so we can like functionally replicate that activity in, uh, in like real time with like accuracy. So you can realistically observe performance. So uh, um, we spent the past week going through the code um, in the, uh, in the uh, sharding P2P POC repo. And we made some changes and made some pull requests. And I uh, opened a, an issue, um, number 43, for testing methodology that kind of provides like a high level overview of what we're capable of doing and what I think would be the most relevant to this particular uh, use case. So um, uh, I just wanted to put something out there so I could get the ball rolling because I think like the methodology and the test cases should be um, established using, you know, community input and not just like dictated by me and what I think is best. So I just want to be the, uh, the most useful. So we got everything running and it works. And then we also fixed the dev build. Um, the dev build wasn't working. Um, there were some issues uh, that we addressed. And uh, we also got it running on Mac. It wasn't able to run on in a OSX environment, but uh, we we fixed that. So, um, can yeah, you so give us a couple of examples of some of the metrics you might be able to test? Yeah, yeah. So I listed them all out on this uh, thing. So, um, like the ability, primarily the ability to uh, um, like observe uh, the the ability for like validators to subscribe to new topics and send and receive messages pertaining to that topic and like the allotted amount of time. Um, so some things that we would do is like number of nodes, latency between those nodes, uh, what's the maximum amount of network latency that each individual node can tolerate before uh, performance begins to degrade. And uh, what are the security implications of that? Uh, like latency between shards, uh, intermittent blackout conditions with like high degrees of packet loss or bandwidth constraints, um, uh, adding and removing nodes at random and uh, um, uh, adding and removing them at set intervals, um, introducing a high volume of nodes simultaneously. Uh, we could also like test and observe like partition tolerance, like uh, when segments of nodes are uh, prevented from communicating with with each other, and uh, just also the performance of like sending and receiving messages within a set period of times and repeat. So we could essentially stress test it, and um, also the process of like joining and leaving shards, like subscribing and connecting to other nodes with the shard and synchronizing collations and shard preference tables and unsubscribing. So pretty much all of those practical functions we can test at scale and uh, test them realistically because they would actually be performing. So we do it in our network. We actually observe them perform in real time, real life. Um, so we're not really using simulations, which are like mathematical um, assumptions. We're um, like functionally uh, observing these 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 behaviors and these performances. So um, I think that's about it right there. But if you guys want to check out this testing methodology that I posted, I mean, it's just a high-level document to just communicate what we've done so far. We've only been uh, actually working on this for like the past week or so. Um, but I'm um, assigning a couple of guys from my team to help out on this. Um, so feel free to give us whatever you got and um we'll we can run all of these tests and we, um so since they'll be run locally in our lab 
Um, we could also provide access to the test network to any of you guys. If you want to access it via like SSH or something like that, uh, we'll uh, set you up with an account so you can come in and run your own tests if you want. Um, like uh, I'm willing, we'll, we'll be willing to, to donate that to the cost. So um, just let me know what you guys would think is best. And if you want to see like a demo or like check it out or something like that or have any other questions, we could just talk about that off, offline unless you have anything pressing right now. Great. That sounds... Um, like really, really interesting testing. Um, does anybody that's been working on testing research or, or otherwise have any questions for Zach right now? Okay. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe not a question, but more like a suggestion. Um, it might make sense because now we have quite a few number of implementations already to, um, um, yeah, test various implementations together in the same network, would that be possible? Yeah, yeah, I, I, anyone, if you'd like to uh, collaborate, because I checked out your work as well, and I think that we could actually implement a lot of the same flow, uh, but within an emulation rather than a simulation. So you're talking, like earlier you mentioned, like how it's not entirely realistic because, you know, it's a simulation. Well, now we can implement that same workflow within an actually within an actual emulation. So that way we'll see and observe performance with high accuracy that's very similar to what it would, uh, how it would be in the real world. So, um, yeah, so. Yeah, I, I'm not talking about uh, my, my simulations, but rather like, um, and the way I understand is that you take uh, like an existing client implementations and just put it in the network and let it yeah, run a hundred uh, times or something. Yeah, um, yeah. whatever uh, whatever you want to configure it for. So we kind of yeah, have yeah. functionality as like, you know, Chef or something like that. We can like establish an automated workflow. But for now, you only uh, use uh, the uh, networking PC. Uh, yeah, yeah that's the one we out. But maybe it would be nice to try different implementations, for example, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, let's do whatever we can. Um, you know, whatever you guys want to throw at it, you know, and we'll, we'll, we could set up a, a network that, a permission network that anyone can access if you guys want to run like some of your own tests at this scale. Yeah, cool. I would definitely be keen for that once we're um, able to, to, to sync with other nodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and once once we have um, so this is this can be useful for the kind of proof of concept stuff, but this might also be um, when we actually have a, a number of beacon chain clients, um, we can do other types of simulations on actual clients rather than just these kind of proof of concept yeah. um, testing. Definitely. Cool. Um, okay, I skipped over a little bit of research, the research updates because we go into the PGP stuff. Um, Vitalik, do you have anything that you'd like to, like to update us on? Um, on the research side, not that much. Well, most so far it's been mostly refinements to the spec. Um, so I think, um, let's see, on the main changes that we've uh, been that have happened to the spec in the last couple of weeks pretty much have, I think, been like fairly small modifications, right? Like the fortuitous rule is basically the same. And I've been 
uh, looking into some uh, kind of blue sky, more speculative things around like 51% mitigation and uh, data availability checking for sharding, but that's not really relevant to kind of very short-term client development. Right. But you know, like it probably will become relevant in at some point when we start actually building out uh, the sharding side and uh, building the uh, sharding light client code. So though it's not clear, it'll be in the very first version of it. Got it. Um, and I know on the RNG VDF side of things, um, Justin is still, he's waiting on um, kind of a, a detailed hardware analysis, like real world analysis of um, hardware and potential attacks. And that's going to be, you have that report, we're going to be able to make more uh, clear decisions on the RNG design. Um, hopefully, probably in the next three or four weeks, we'll have that report. All right, cool. Research. So back to the P2P stuff. Um, Paul had mentioned that he wanted to talk about the Beacon Chain Wire Protocol. Uh, Paul, do you want to give a high level on that? Yeah, yeah sure. I've just been starting to play around pushing uh, packets around the network. Um, and I, I guess maybe it might be interesting to hear from Prismatic Labs what they're doing. Um, I mean, I guess the, most, the, the easiest thing to be would just be kind of like copy the the like 1.0 um, wire protocol now. But um, I just kind of wanted to raise it because um, it's it's you know having that thing specified is is something on my horizon. Do our prismatic want to maybe mention what they're doing in that um, that way? Hey, uh, Preston here from Prismatic. So um, what we're doing right now. Um, is we're just we're, we're until we kind of figure out what um, messaging format we want to use. We're just using protocol buffers uh, because as long as it's a single client implementation and we trust the packets from ourselves, like it's going to work. Um, so you know we are aligned on the same idea that we need to like figure out what the um, format's going to be. But but right now we're just using protocol buffers. Okay, cool. Do you um, have, so like, you have different like, uh, messages? Uh, hey, Vitalik, can you hey, Vitalik, can you mute? Thanks. Yeah, do, do you have like different types of messages? You know, like blocks, get blocks, like you know, like a one little byte to, to have um, specific types of messages. Yeah, so we we've defined uh, specific messages for I guess each topic. So all of our uh, communication is going through uh, like gossip sub uh, or flood sub topics. And so each topic has its own message type that's associated with it. So uh, if you're doing like a like asking for a block, then you're sending like a get block request and getting a, a different message back, which is a you know get block response or just a block. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll just go poking around in yours and try and follow your lead. Then thanks. Yep. Um, as for the ETH one O wire protocol. Um, is are there issues with that wire protocol? Is it can it conform to what we need? Does anybody have uh, familiarity with the ETH one O wire protocol to speak to it? Um, basically, we were thinking about the same way as Paul just uh, mentioned, and uh, from from now I don't see any issues uh, in using ETH one O. Uh, protocol for beacon chain data structures. So it's going to be pretty straightforward. 
I guess we'll have to change some stuff because the, the current wire protocol talks about difficulty and these things that aren't going to um, be suitable to this chain. Yeah, sure. But it's, I think it's going to um, be. When we start talking about why the, the wire protocol, it might also make sense to start thinking about denial of service resistance. Because like that's one thing that proof of work does fairly easily. And we should probably try to think about like whether or not or like how we would do that for the state pro state protocol. Would there be things that we would want to modify and so forth? And the and denial service denial service easy. Sorry, I'm getting easy. Sorry, I'm getting uh, on the proof on of work. The proof of work. Because no, I mean the like, denial of service attacks consisting of like sending proof of stake blocks that are malformatted in some way that just wastes the target's time. I see. I see. I'm like slightly worried about this because we have these big hulking BLS signatures that all take. Well, I mean, I guess it's not that bad if their size is bounded, but once their size goes up to like a few hundred each, um, I guess it's still doable. But like it's still worth having in the back of our minds. Um, so I was talking to some of the Dfinity people last weekend, and they're doing some. They're using zero knowledge proofs to prove that you were part of the validator set to the network, but without without really revealing who or what your actual identity is. Um, and this is to allow for some sort of like privileged network. Um, so like. I can privilege listening and receiving, um, or listening and, and, and listening to and forwarding um, packets or messages from known validators or from people that have proved that they're validators. Um, would that sort of solution fit the bill of resisting the denial of service stuff? Well, I think it's. Well, uh, I think it's uh, if you. If this proof can be replicated somehow, then it sort of defeats the purpose. I think, like if you if you produce the proof once and you can use it multiple times. Yeah, I I think the idea would be that you would kind of weave the proof in with whatever like, set of messages that you're making, which seems like sort of something that you should be able to do with a. Uh, like the standard schemes, so I guess the main problem without those the overhead. Yeah, I think they're I think they're using proposed bulletproofs. Well, actually, no. I think so. Here, you can you can amortize it, right? So you can have a, a scheme that basically is says um, when you make a, a proof, you commit um, inside of that proof. Uh, actually, no. Well, if you want to do this, right, when you make a proof, like inside of that proof, you would uh, commit to a Merkle root, and then for any message, you would like, reveal a Merkle branch, and that way you can make each proof count for like n messages. But you don't necessarily need to do that because, like, what you do is the like the point of the proof is to basically prove that some particular public key, like some newly generated special purpose public key, is owned by the same entity that also owns one of the bit, uh, some unknown one of yeah, big uh, uh, validator public keys. And then that's you can trust messages from that special purpose public key once you verify the proof once. Right, I see. Um, interesting. Well, it's a, but, 
Would it be enough to do this per connection in the peer-to-peer -peer layer? I would say probably. Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting enough solution to examine over the next, over the coming weeks. Um, I'm gonna, I'll dig into it a little bit. Yeah, you probably want to keep those separate. Um, like your your validator key and the key that you're using to sign P2P messages, because they might be like in different processes. Uh, sorry, I just kind of figured out after I said it. I was just saying you, you'd want to keep your, your main validating key pretty far away from your, your P2P message signing key, but I think we were just talking about like, you know, creating sub signatures or something. So just discard that. I see. Um, okay, any more comments on um, wire protocol or um, DOS issues around P2P messages? I guess just to sum up, maybe I'll just start uh, poking through Prismatic Lab stuff and then I'll also try and use the existing wire protocol uh, and I'll do my best to document it so we've got something to start from. Excellent. Um, okay, so we have the message serialization. I know there's been at least a mild amount of chatter about that since our last call. Does anybody want to uh, discuss that? I have not been keeping up with it, so I am not the person to give an update on that. I, I guess I, I can say something. Um, I've, I've, I've been looking into it a little bit. I keep meaning to run like some, some comparisons between um, different uh, serialization formats and how long they take and, and the message size on the network and stuff like that, but I haven't got around to it. I plan to though. Um, but I, I'm kind of liking the idea of um, these uh, like, infinitely times faster um, algorithms where it's like you, you can basically go straight from the network into your database without encoding into coding. It seems it seems appealing, um, but I have to go kind of check into those. Um, and, and I'm kind of in, I'm in favor of um, SSZ personally um, for uh, Simple Serialize for um, consensus layer stuff because I think it's just really simple. Uh, Uh, when you say SSZ, like I think I accidentally made two versions that I both called simple serialize, where one is uh, basically like a very simplified version of RLP, where the length prefix is always three bytes, and the other is the thing where um, things that are constant size, like basically, or like everything is typed, and things that are constant size map to a constant uh, byte position. So, which which one of the two were you talking about? Uh, yeah, I was talking about uh, yeah, that. I, I was talking about the, uh, I noticed. Sorry, do you mind muting on your invitation? Sorry, do you mind muting on your invitation? Thanks, it's just been echo. Um, yeah, I noticed. I think the F research one in the F research GitHub, the older one, I, um, uh, that's the one I've kind of been ignoring the one with the newer one because I figured that was you know, just newer. Yeah, just mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I've got it in Rust doing um, encoding, um, but I haven't done decoding yet. Um, okay, well, we can um, continue to think about message serialization. It's not super immediately pressing, but something we should come to agreement on over the next few meetings. Um, okay, cool. So we 
I think we've discussed everything through four. Um, <clears throat> has anyone given any thought to bootstrapping the initial validator set? Um, and it's not something we need to uh, immediately come to a consensus on today, but it's something that we need to figure out in, uh, at some point. So the idea is um, how do we have our initial validator set in, I guess, our Genesis block in the beacon chain? Um, there's kind of a chicken and egg problem uh, because, especially because we're we're discussing having the beacon chain validating all of the um, incoming data from the validators. So, like validating um, their existence of the signature, um, the what's it called, the uh, BLS rogue key attack uh, stuff. Um, but if you don't have an initial validator set to validate these incoming messages, you don't. And there's issues there. Um, I know a number of chains are kind of dealing with this problem, or at least from like a first, um, from a gen they're not necessarily porting from an existing chain, but they're they do have to deal with the genesis block problem. So it'd probably be interesting to work to look at what other people are doing. Um, but does anybody have any immediate thoughts on this issue? Um, right now at Prismatic Lab, we just initialize a bunch of validators upon the creation of, of the new chain. But we're discussing on Discord about having like a config JSON file to to load from. Right. So that would, in practice, that would involve some sort of enshrined um, initial validator set. Yeah. Right. Um, another another approach. Another approach would. Um, um, okay, so another approach should be, be to do what the Ethereum did in the beginning to use some sort of test net to seed the 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 Well, Ethereum did not use a test net to seed the Genesis block, right? Well, the way Ethereum seeded the Genesis block is that basically there was a Python script that anyone could run, which would scan the Bitcoin blockchain and check who participated in the sale and automatically assign them ETH. So, I mean, if that's what we want to do, that's uh, probably actually a totally fine approach as well. Right. So the idea was the idea was here about how can about how can Yeah. Um, so the idea would be to have the register some sort of registration contract that would broadcast the data via receipts and have that open for some amount of time and script on it. Yeah, basically, like it's exactly yeah, the same, uh, like, or, or it's like fairly isomorphic to the uh, kind of Bitcoin to Ethereum process. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So it'd be, you'd have a start and end date in which people can initially register, and then you'd launch the right. Then you yeah, and then, well, you don't necessarily need to have an end date because you could say that like, oh, when we enable the feature, the, the feature for uh, validator rotation, then everyone after the end date will get included as well or something. Uh, yes, I see. Um, cool. Do you imagine in the launch process to have a fixed validator set for some amount of time before flipping a bit? I don't know. I feel like that depends on like how fast development goes. Yeah, on the different sides. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's a tentatively reasonable approach. Um, and so in terms of development, just think about 
the Genesis block is having an initial validator set. <clears throat> cool. Um, okay, so quickly, we've been discussing, we discussed last time about having some sort of um, pre-DevCon sharding meetup. Uh, so I can't remember the exact date of DevCon, but a, a day or two before that. Um, status was has a space for their hackathon. There's a potential that there might be some space there. Um, if anyone from Status has any thoughts on that at this moment, you can share. Yeah, so we've discussed it internally. And given the hackathon and other things happening at the venue, the best date for us would be Friday the 26th, which places us a couple of days before the DevCon event. Uh, itself. Uh, I also wanted to check with the group how much time we would need. This is a day, half day, uh, more or less. Anybody have any thoughts on how long? I, mean, we, I guess we've in the past, I guess in, in Berlin, we had three days of client stuff, one day of uh, sharding stuff. We got a lot done, although the client day has also had sharding related things. Um, and we're also going to be at DevCon for many days. And if you're there on the 26th, you'll probably be there for a few days before DevCon. I, I would lean towards a day and not do multiple days on this thing. Um, to anybody, but, but a, you know, a good long day of gathering. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on that? I think and, yep. Yeah. Of the meetup, is it is it more just communication of knowledge? Is it a chance for people to ask the research team questions? To, to be helpful to understand that before trying to figure out how much time we might need. Yeah, you're right. Um, I imagine kind of a long form version of this in which we can dig deeper into some of the some of the things that maybe in the meetings we're like, okay, this is what's going on, but we haven't really like thought about it all the way through. Um, this is probably a good time to catch everyone up, meet everyone, and kind of facilitate collaboration on some of the things that we um, have been meaning to dig deeper into. And some things that maybe we've been talking about on the internet, but we haven't come to full agreement on. So, you know, updates, some sort of like research Q&A, and then maybe a few things that we specifically want to spend some time digging deep into to, to get progress on. Um, that's just off the top of my head uh, what I think would be useful. Does anybody have any other comments on that? Uh, would it be in the format of the previous meetup where um, everybody went through their client updates and there was a research update and was filmed and there were notes afterwards? Or is it more just amongst us and then we're posting notes at the end of it? In terms of like sharing a stream? Uh, yes. Uh, we, we could stream it. I, I, I don't know. But <clears throat> if we have the resources to do so, I don't see why not at least record it. Um, but definitely notes after. Um, can people realistically get to Prague a few days before DEF CON? Does DEF CON start the 29th? Does anybody have the date on that offhand? 
It's the 30th through to the second. Right, right. So that's a reason. That's like, you know, are people going to be in Europe? Are people going to be in Prague that much earlier than DEF CON? Okay. So yeah, there would be people in Europe and close to Prague. So that's promising, I think. Yeah, that, that time is kind of perfect for us because it's like a dead zone between Web3 and De uh, DevCon. I'm sure we could fill it with beer, but, you know, good to be productive. <laughs> yeah, there's also the Fellowship of Ethereum Magicians meetup happening, I think, uh, around the 26th, 27th, maybe. I don't have the latest dates on that, but that's going on as well. Okay. Well, I think one day is reasonable, and I think the 26th is probably reasonable for at least a good representation. Um, why don't we, uh, Yasik, we can kind of take that offline and, and check on some of the other events and, and see if this will start to make sense for us, okay? And is there, so there is space in the uh, venue? Yeah, we should be able to get space for, well, at least a limited amount of people, like not hundreds, but um, something along the lines of Berlin should be fine. Great. Okay, cool. Well, um, <clears throat> we'll figure that out a little bit more over the coming uh, few weeks. I, I think some amount of knowledge sharing might be interesting that people present what they've been researching as well. I would at least be interested in having a short section on, on that. But compared to Berlin, I agree with most here that, that more focus on discussion and, and solving issues would be interesting as well. Cool. Okay. Um, so we're at that part of the meeting where anyone can talk about anything that wasn't on the agenda that um, is pressing or interesting or questions or whatever. Yeah, I might I might just bring up the the shuffling um, algorithm. I was playing around with that, um, and oh, I think I, it's I, I totally forgot, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> That's all right, man. So, um, yeah, I, I made an issue. It's, it's number 57. Um, it's just about like there's a modulo bias in it uh, and it's doing an extra iteration. Um, so if you get a chance to have a look at that, it'd be good to know. Um, oh, I'm sorry, right issue or... 57 of what repo? Sorry, Beacon Chain. I made a, a little like on, on our GitHub, there's a link in that, in that issue to like a little sandbox I made just to like to that I was using when I was jigging around with shuffling algorithms. So if anybody, yep, likes, I see yep. If anybody fancies playing around with shuffling, then that's the place for it. Um, yeah, so it'd be cool just to get just get some feedback on that. I could probably look at it right now. Yeah, you probably want to skip down to the bottom. Vitalik, most of the top is just um, like introduction that you already know.
Yeah, hold on. Doesn't my uh, code already do the uh, fil the the filtering the for module bias that you talk about? Yeah, like, it does it, and that, that's how I came across it. But it, it does it, it filters for the like the odd results based on the entire list size. It doesn't filter them out based on the remaining amount because that that's the range. Or hold on, oh no, I think I figured it out it was a it's a typo. It's not supposed to be if a line list is less than rand max. It's uh, supposed to be if m is less than rand max. There, that that's it. It's yeah, it was a typo. Oh yeah, cool. And I think the rand max needs to be dropped down in, inside the loop too. Uh, why? No, one list is static. Uh, uh, oh yeah, let me, let me check. No, no, rand max changes based on remaining. Not, not. It doesn't like it stay what? static to the list size, I believe. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yes, and modern. You're very right there. Mm. There we go. Or actually, no, that's technically the wrong code. Did you just uh, update it somewhere? There. Yep, I updated it was straight in the two point one spec. Oh yeah, cool. I, I made it like a reference implementation in in that shuffling repo um, that is slower, but it kind of like separates the RNG and the, and the shuffle out into separate components, um, hmm. just to make it for me to understand. And and I got those two matching, so I think it's right. But you know, I've been wrong before. Okay. Yeah, like ulti um, ultimately, we'll just have like. Uh, special purpose tests for this and we'll make sure it matches up. Mm. Yeah, cool. And for the other implementers too, the, the little shuffling sandbox thing I have, it'll output references, it'll output a shuffled array given a seed. Um, and in the readme, there's a couple of them. So you can use that like to test, like if you want to just put a test in there with your array versus that one and see if it matches. And that's, that's an easy way to do it to save you like pulling apart the beacon chain implementation. Um, right. um, but, uh, one thing I wanted to ask about is um, um, have we talked about the testing at all in the consensus testing the beacon chain? We have not. Um, okay. I know it was brought briefly last time, but um, there was, we thought we were a little too early. Um, but if you have some thoughts on that, please. Well, and I feel like since we have two implementations that are basically running a full beacon chain, we can, and it's, it probably is too early to keep expecting consensus, but there's the proposed uh, testing laying spec that I uh, had made a few days ago. And I thought I'd bring this up and see, like, is that, like, like basically the idea is um, here, uh, let's see if I can um, throw it into the chat. Uh, wait, no, not not that. Sorry. Um, wait, what is it? Oh, you know that that's what it is. the The idea is it's basically a way that that would allow us to write uh, tests much more quickly and have uh, clients automatically validate them. Yeah. Uh, we we actually started building out the uh, uh, beacon thing on our platform yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. I could share those results with you guys once we get it up and running. If you want mm -hmm. us to uh, help. Uh, tackle the testing aspect. 
Sure. I guess like the thing I'm asking right now is for people to look at that doc and see if it's an approach that the, that makes sense. And if it is, then like it would make sense to start like that like part of the implementation should be an implementation of interpreting the test the tests and running them. Yeah. So the the, the link that Vitalik just shared is a um, testing lang where we can specify. You know the creation of blocks, the attestation of blocks and things, and and kind of check on the fork choice and various high level components of the beacon chain. If we have a client, we can uh, use this as a reference and approach the configuration that. file that'll uh, allow us to create a configuration file to automate a lot of the workflow. Cool. So homework. Take a look at that. Uh, um, that testing thing and, and see if it if it makes sense and if it's expressive at least enough to start in um, you know, expressing the different states of the chain. Um, that's something that we'll be implementing in the Python probably over the next week or so. Should we just share any results in the repo? Uh, share what results? Uh, like uh, our evaluation. Uh, yeah, you could. You can. I'll make a. I'll make an issue about this testing line in the beacon chain repo, and people can comment on that. Or we can. We can also talk in the sharding uh, getter. Okay. Cool. Guys, um, I have an idea on initial validator set. Uh, we can take a proof of work block. Um, and uh, get all validators that uh, were registered before that block, and then uh, use a hash of that block as a seed for shuffling process, and finally get the initial validator set. Like, and we can just uh, uh, put this block hash into Genesis or Beacon Chain, and that should be okay. It's just to. Uh, Raw idea, roughly. Luke, can you mute? Um, okay, so the idea is to have the validator set before some block hash, and then at that final block hash, use that as use that block hash as the seed of the initial shuffling. Yeah, so we can see the uh, initial set, set with the just uh, some uh, a hash of some proof of work chain block. So that's the idea. At some predetermined height. Yeah, and we can choose that block randomly. Yeah, I think that's probably a reasonable approach to see the randomness. Rather than using, you know, zero. <laughs> Surely you could just throw um, brand out commitments when you register in the registration contract, whatever that is, instead? Um, if we go with that approach, then yes, you could do the XOR of all the Randall commitments, um, which might would require a little less coordination on grabbing a specific block. Um, both, both I think are reasonable. 
Um, I just Randall is very likely, um, but there's you know there's the RNG is still a little bit up in the air. Okay. Um, anything else? Any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Great. Um, okay, next meeting. So are we, I, I wasn't the last core dev call. Is there a core dev call one week from tomorrow? Does anybody know? They didn't, they didn't push it off, right? Great, then let's plan on doing another one of these one week from today. I will create an issue. Did everyone see the new um, ETH2OPM repo? Where this is all, all belongs. Uh, I shared the link a couple times in the gutter. Uh, so it'll exist there. Um, I am, it's probably gonna take me a couple days to get these notes up, but I'll get the notes up shared with all the links. Um, and we can, I'll put up a tentative agenda and we can uh, rally around an agenda for two weeks from now. Um, until then, plenty of work going on in various Gitter channels and repos. Um, exciting stuff. Uh, thanks everyone for coming. I'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, thanks Danny. That thanks, was two Danny. weeks from now, is that right, sorry? Yes, the uh, current plan is to meet two weeks from today. Thank you. Thank you, bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.